Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm your host, Sandra McDevitt. Today, the true story of a little-known shrine in Austria, Marriott Zell, and a man who makes a pilgrimage there, on foot, carrying a 50-pound cross, all the way from Hungary. Stay tuned to find out why the man undertook such a journey and the power of repentance on another Stories from the Heart. Zell in Austria is the most famous place of pilgrimage in all of Central Europe. That is, Bavaria, Hungary, Croatia, Czech Republic, Slovenia, and the Slovene parts of former Yugoslavia. The extraordinary element of Zell is not the age of its foundation, nor is it the statue itself, nor some outstanding miracle that has won it fame. Zell is most famous because it is venerated by the people of such different and varied nations. Many people in the region know of its existence, regardless of national boundaries and distances. They bring their problems to the feet of the Madonna. The story of the shrine at Marietzell begins in 1157, when the Benedictine monk Magnus left his abbey to retire to the wilderness taking a statue of the virgin and child with him. He could proceed no further because the forest was thick. He prayed to the virgin for help, and soon after that, the bush and the rocks opened up to make way for him. A little farther down, he stopped and set up his abode. He placed his statue of Mary on a white branch of a tree. A few years later, Magnus built a little chapel around the linden tree. In it, he placed a statue that is still today venerated at Marietzell. The statue of Our Lady of Marietzell is 22 inches high and carved in linden wood. Mary is holding the child Jesus on her lap. The gaze of the Virgin is directed upon the onlooker. Written records of the pilgrimage dating back to the 15th century mentioned that people saw the statue's face, eyes, and lips moving as if it were alive. The first church, a Romanesque one, was built around 1200, and in 1340 a greater one was built by King Louis the Great of Hungary. Nowadays, Our Lady of Meritzel is called the Great Mother of Austria. The shrine has been so famous that people who cannot make the pilgrimage but feel that their prayers to Our Lady of Marietzell have been heard, have written letters which are preserved in the shrine's archives. As a rule, these letters are addressed to our beloved Mother of Grace. The following is a true story which took place in 1957. It is told by a man who witnessed the event. It has to do with the man, a cross, and the shrine at Marietzell. While taking a walk in the gray dawn before boarding the train back to Vienna, I saw a man carrying a cross. I was not surprised. Many pilgrims come on foot to these shrines, shouldering wooden crosses as a sign of humility and penance. He stopped me and asked in broken German for directions to the cathedral. I told him it was just around the corner. He was a short fellow, about fifty, with dark eyes and hair and an emaciated face. His clothes were shabby, his trousers looked more like rags, 
and his toes were visible through dilapidated shoes, tied together with strings. Do you come from far away? I asked, almost against my own will. Yes, sir, I come from Hungary. Hauled the way with his cross on your shoulders? It's about a hundred miles from the border. Yes, sir. When he addressed him in his native tongue, his eyes lit up with excitement. I decided to take a later train to Vienna and went with him to the guest house where we could sit down. He told me his story reluctantly and only after I promised not to disclose his name or the city from which he came. While on Hungarian soil, he walked only at night. God helped me, he said, and at night I did not encounter any of the political police. When I needed sleep, I would knock on the door of a peasant's house before sunrise, and they would let me in. When I told them where I was going, they gave me food and shelter. I was a very bad man, even one year ago. I did not believe in anything. I hated people, and I think I even hated God. And I was a coward. I had been a gardener and a porter at a summer resort in Hungary. The hotel that employed me before the war was one of the most elegant in the country. It has a park that stretches across hills to the edge of a lake. There I had a house given to me where I lived peacefully with my wife, my mother, and my father-in-law. The hotel administration claimed to need me and I was not drafted into the army. After the war, my good fortune continued. The new regime took over the hotel and made it into a government resort. I was a quiet man and was not involved in any politics. I never belonged to any party. I did not go to church, and the hotel needed me because I was the good handyman and knew the remotest corners of the park. Yet I was not entirely free from fear. There was a huge cross on the distant hills in the park put up by the original builders of the hotel. It used to be a favorite spot for walks. The new communist bosses who took over the hotel were aware of its existence, but they never said a word about it to me. I was scared that one day I might be fired if some official got angry and held me responsible for it. Sometimes I could not sleep for fear. When I talked with my superiors, it seemed to me that they were aware of my anxiety and were waiting to see how long I would tolerate the cross in the park. Behind their friendly words, routine questions about the weather and about the park, I suspected something sinister. Then came the winter of 1951, when the police arrested both clergymen of the village, the Catholic and the Lutheran pastors. The head of the local political police claimed that the churches were abandoned and ordered them closed and sealed. To my great surprise and consternation, the people of the village started to come in little groups to the cross in the park. They came through a rear entrance and stood there in pious silence. The visits grew more and more frequent. I was not only afraid, but angry. Didn't these people know that they were jeopardizing my position and even my life? But how could I tell them to go away? 
my wife, my mother, and my father-in-law were among them. One December night, I cut down the cross. I cut it into small pieces and took them into the house. I opened the door of the oven and fed the fire with the pieces of the cross. My family soon discovered what I had done because I could not burn all the wood that night. Parts of the cross chopped into pieces were stacked near the stove. My wife was expecting a child at the time. She said nothing to me, but she wept. My father-in-law, usually a pleasant man, became silent and morose and no longer spoke to me. My mother looked at me with a mixture of sorrow, anger, and love and said, My son, how could you do such a thing? Don't you know that a curse falls upon the head of the man who destroys a cross? I laughed, and when the family wanted to bring in wood from the storage bin, I shoved them aside and burned the rest of the cross. When the people of the village discovered that there was no longer a cross, they simply erected another one at the same spot. I was furious, and I took my axe and again chopped down the symbol of faith. I told my family that if they were going to put up another, I would do the same and I would burn all the crosses and keep our house warm through the winter. Three days later, of course, there was a new cross in the park. But that same night, my mother was found dead in her bed. The coroner said it was a heart attack. It was the cross, I said. She got excited over nothing. When the next cross was raised and my wife and our newborn child died and my father-in-law left me, I denounced the secret shrine to the political police. A cordon of police was placed around the site of the cross. The park was without a cross, but I was alone. The years went by and I remained the gardener, the porter, and the handyman. People no longer came to the park because by now the churches were again open. But I was an ostracized man. Nobody talked to me in the village. I got my food from the hotel. I had no friends. And I guess not even any real enemies, people simply despised me. But I felt fine in my cold bitterness. It was the cross, I said, that had brought all this misfortune upon me. And when the local priest and some of the villagers came to me at one time to discuss the erection of yet another cross on the same spot, I told them if they ever put in an appearance, I would shoot because those were my orders. But soon people were working on the nearby hill, and a cross was standing yet again. Then I suffered a stroke. At first I could not talk, and I could not move. The people of the village actually took care of me, and gradually I got better. Nothing miraculous happened. I recovered, except that, as you can see, my left arm is partially paralyzed. I lost my job as gardener though I did get a small pension. I had to leave my house and had to leave the forest, the park, and my old occupation, which was so dear to me. I lived in the village among people from whom I had expected nothing but hatred. One day, I suddenly felt that I had to make adequate penance and restitution for the terrible outrages I had committed. 
I had to try to be more like these people who were good and who risked their lives and kept the faith. I decided to make this pilgrimage and carry the cross I had desecrated. After I'd made this vow, my soul became peaceful, and with my newfound peace, I started on my journey as if I were going to meet a king. The next day, we parted company. He asked for my address. Many months later, I received a postcard from one of the strictest monasteries of Europe. The postcard was from my pilgrim. He had become a lay brother, and as he put it, keeper of the cross for life. Thank you for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's true story was written by Sold Arati and published in Sign Magazine. Stories from the Heart is recorded in the studios of Ave Maria Radio. To reach me or for a copy of this story or any others, email Sandra at AveMariaRadio.net. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed a show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.